Hey, it's time for the Image Doctors Photography Podcast. I'm Jason O'Dell. I'm Rick Walker. And it's good to be back with all of our listeners again this week. We had a, we have a, a bunch of stuff to talk about this week that's fun, including uh, a trip we did specifically for photography, which is always a good thing. Yep. Um, and we'll hope to turn that into some future activities that we can do with, uh, with some of you guys in the future, too. But uh, what do we have? We kind of have a, a, a laundry list of things today. Because uh, there was a couple of lens announcements on the Nikon side, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, we will talk about our trip, and we also have a hands-on lens review that that uh, was an unexpected uh, <laughs> lens review, so to speak. Yeah, it was good timing. Um, so with it worked the out. Nikon, I'm I'm just going to say Nikon slash Tamron twenty-eight to seventy-five two eight. Right. And the lens we talked about when it was announced and we didn't, we didn't try it, but we did get our hands on, on them uh, this week to, to test. um, And we tested in a very unique way. Um, But then there was a recent announcement just the other day that uh, Nikon is also bringing out uh, their branded version of the Tamron 17 to 28 to eight, which would pair with this lens. Yep, and so it'll also, say Nikon on it, but it's, it's but it's made by Tamron. It's their design. Right. It's yeah, basically it's made in the their factory, uh, and and then they placed a seventy to one eighty millimeter lens on their roadmap, which is guaranteed be guaranteed to be the Tamron seventy to one eighty millimeter two eight. So that's a nice trio if you're looking at it from you know that perspective. It's potentially nice trio, um, and. You know, we'll have more to, to say. The the 17 to 28, I looked up some reviews that you sent me on the the existing Tamron version of it. It looks to be pretty decent. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things about it is uh, it's pretty small and light compared to something like a 14 to 24, you know, 28, which is a huge lens. This thing only has like a 67 millimeter filter thread. It's not heavy. Uh, you know, wh- whether or not you want it in your bag, I think would depend on if you have a need for a 2.8 lens in, in the super wide range. Right. Um, which normally I don't worry about too much, but, you know, indoor stuff, having an extra stop can be nice. And also nighttime photography, if you're doing um, that kind of stuff, that would be a better choice probably than say the 14 to 30 F4 Nikon yeah. S because it's slower. Or because Tamron's faster. So anyway, that's 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 coming down. So I think those are available for pre-order or something like that right now. Um, Not not the seventy to one eighty. No, no, that's just on the roadmap. But the seventeen to um, twenty-eight. So let's revisit this other one. Yeah, we're going to talk about the twenty-eight to seventy-five millimeter in a sec. One thing I have to say, (laughs) I feel compelled to say. And I'm going to do this in the, both a half full and a half empty glass mm-hmm. scenario. So here's my half full one first. The goodness with these rebranded Tamron lenses is that for an existing Nikon Z owner, they give you some nice alternatives to the Nikon lenses. These are fast lenses that, that are of good quality optically. And we'll talk more about the 28 to 75 in a few minutes. The 70 to 180 to 8 that should be coming out also has a reputation for being a very good lens. 
So if you're an existing Nikon Z owner, these are attractive lenses at prices that are compelling compared to the Nikon equivalents. Yeah, the S line is they're, very expensive. They're much more expensive. And these are good lenses. They really are. The half empty view is Nikon owners are having to spend hundreds of more dollars to get the same lenses that Sony owners can get if they're Tamron branded. Mm -hmm. Same lenses. And that disturbs me. And I, I don't I don't like that. But if I look at the lenses objectively in isolation, the prices are decent, the performance is very, mm -hmm. very good, and they're nice lenses. So right. at any rate, I just had to say that. So and, and that's a fair assessment. I mean, yeah. the, these are literally the same lenses. They just they're they're putting the Nikon name on it rather than I mean and, and there's nothing wrong with that either. I mean, it's just, but then when you compare it to the the same lens in the Tamron brand name on it, um, you know, because Sony, you I know, believe, has opened up their mount entirely. So it's not like you're getting a re reverse engineered no, no, lens no, no. mount or anything like that. No. So. And the price difference, you know, the 17 to 28 Nikon lens is 1200 The same lens under a Tamron brand is 799 us yeah so that's, that's four hundred dollars that's right that's a, there yeah that's a chunk of money yeah okay. but at any rate now yeah, we're going to go back into what i would say is more of a glass half full half full thing that has to do with yeah, the performance right. of the 28 to 75 well so here, here's the thing i mean this yep. this was this lens got announced earlier this year or very early in in 22 i think um in in the i don't remember exactly you can go back and hear our podcast on that if you dig through our archives um neither one of us felt it a, a compelling lens that we needed um because it's a neither of us really needed a mid-range zoom that was fast i mean i i have the 24 to 70 f4s which is a kit lens and a lot of people have that lens mm -hmm. and i do like the 24 millimeters at the wider end um and then there's also the 24 to 120 f4 that came out which is an exceptionally good lens um we started Just an awfully good one it's a very very good light yes it's mm -hmm. it's it's a it's an excellent lens and if, and you know if you talk about with that if you're doing something like travel photography you could have that 24 to 120 be your only lens and you'd probably be fine or yeah. pair it with just something a little on the wider side like that 14 to 30 we mentioned mm -hmm. and then and you've got a nice a nice kit but you know going back to things we, we both said it's it you know for what it is if you look at what it is it's it's a less expensive 2.8 mid-range zoom for the Nikon Z mount because the 24 to 70 2.8 S lens is a $2,400 expenditure. Mm -hmm. It's a very good lens. Okay, It is. It's an awesome uh, lens. Um, when, when we started planning to go, to go back to Tucson, if you recall, we went there earlier this year and we did um, some landscape photography there. Um, we decided to go back to Tucson to do exclusively infrared photography. Um, you know how we talk about sometimes you just got to put yourself into this space where you're you're you focus on one thing, whether it's the I'm going to use one lens or one focal length. Well, we decided we we're going to shoot infrared. And one of the things we've struggled with uh, has been a lot of the Nikon Z lenses, and this is just the case with a lot of these lenses, they're not optimized for infrared in any way. Um, and that's not specific to Nikon. No, that's, that's across true. the board. 
across the board, every brand. They're just and I saw it with Fuji. I saw it with other ones. So sure. Now the interestingly enough, the twenty four to seventy f four is is actually pretty good in infrared. It's probably one of the better lenses you can have if you have a converted. A camera shooting infrared. Um, it doesn't produce what you might call a hot spot, but it can produce sort of a brightening, a diffuse brightening in the center of your frame. Um, and especially if you stop down, you'll see it more. The other thing that we should emphasize is that this shows up more with like a 720 nanometer Mm -hmm. converted infrared camera if you have one that's spilling in more visible light like a 590 it's not going to be as prominent right the other thing is if you're just sticking to black and white the whole time and never working with the color aspects of infrared it's less likely to show up too so there we were so yeah. i i was going through my nikon infrared roadmap and i realized that we'd never tested the 28 to 75 so i got in touch with with um the folks over at b and h and they they were kind enough and we should give them a shout out uh, yeah. to loan me a lens and they sent it to me and and so i i put it on and and i and i got it in anticipation of going on this infrared trip because i figured you know what the heck you know might as mm -hmm. well test it um, so I put it on my converted camera, which is a 720 nanometer Z6, um, Same thing which is I what have. you have. I put it on and I stopped it down and I looked at, you know, did my normal test shots, which is almost guaranteed to see even a mild brightening. And it was outstanding. Um, very, very good. Um, and so I actually brought that down with us to Tucson and you got one as well. And uh, we used that almost the whole time shooting down there yeah almost exclusively the way things mm -hmm. turned out i mean it was a very nice walk around lens there was a time where i there was a few times where having a little wider would have been okay um, and i did bring the 14 to 30 when we went on our shoot and you did too um, there was a few times where a little longer would have been better but in general the the range for a walk around lens was great and it was astonishingly astonishingly good in infrared not perfect i don't think there is a perfect one out there no. there's not a not, not a perfect one and like you said it depends a lot on how you convert um if you convert to black and white depending on your white balance setting depending on the software that you use you may not even see any of these with with the other things but but some lenses have you know noticeable bright areas and this one doesn't so that's very nice um so so it, it's um an, an interesting thing because the Nikon 24 to 70 28 is terrible in infrared. Yes. I mean, like you don't want to use it. It's, it, it makes not just a hot spot, but it's a disc and you can't, it's just, you can't work with your files. It's yeah. impossible. And so, so then you have, you know, some, some decisions to make with, with infrared, but you know, the good part about this whole exercise was that we got to use and handle this Nikon slash Tamron 28 to 75 and it's a very well-made, well-balanced, easy-to-work-with lens. Uh, the barrel extends out a little bit, but not much. It weighs fractionally more than the 24 to 70 f4, which is great for like, a two-eight lens. Yeah, I mean that's it's outstanding in that regard. Um, I don't, I don't think it feels cheap in the hand. It feels no, solid. No, feels it's nice. a nice, it's a nicely built lens. So yeah, I mean in that regard. You know, you can you can start to think about this. Um, uh, 
It so, uses 67 millimeter filters, yeah, which those are aren't... fairly common and they're a little bit cheaper than, mm -hmm. than the big, like the Nikon 24 to 72 8 takes 82 millimeter filters, right. which tend to be right. a lot more expensive and bulkier. So where does this then slot into where you might be, be looking for this? You know, some, some of the things are, you know, it depends on what kind of shooting you want to do. And we'll, and we'll talk about that. But who who might benefit from this? If you well, don't one, have one, a, one quick thing, I think you know, we should say before yeah. we get into that is optically, it seemed very good. I, yeah. I did test shots in the visible range, too, and they look they look great. No complaints. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I tried some, you know wide open portraits of my wife they look nice the background look mm -hmm. you know pretty clean and pretty soft yeah i mean it like has a hope. it's got the nine bladed aperture uh, uh nine blade rounded aperture design it gives a very pleasing out of focus look yeah i even so just not a lot to say it doesn't have built-in lens stabilization but in that range you don't need it because no the don't. ibis system in the camera works very very well so you know, optically, it's good. It really is. It, it, it is a solid lens. So, so where does this fit in? You know, where who might want this, right? I mean, that's a good question. Because I think if you already have a twenty-four to seventy f four, you know, it, it makes it a, a tougher. Um, it, it's not that compelling, I unless you wanted a two-eight lens. And right, you know, and if you say, you know what, I want to, I like the twenty-eight or the twenty-four to seventy range, or I like this mid-range. But I want to do more wide open portraits where I'm getting more bokeh. Um, it's still lightweight. It still will travel well. I think it's, it makes a, a solid argument um, for that. And um, I would have no reservations using it zero. Mm -hmm. It's plenty good enough. I think as a travel lens, you have to really think hard about that because with traveling, having a lens that only gives you the 28 to 75 range means you're probably packing not just one secondary lens, but probably two, something on the longer end and something probably on the wider end. Um, and that becomes uh, a little less compelling than say pairing the 14 to 30 with the 24 to 120, which is an excellent yeah. kit. Yeah, it is. And also, you know, and again, this is for Nikon owners. I think for travel, you, at least in my case, I could get by just fine for most trips with the 24 to 120. Just that. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Now, where the 24 to 120 has a flaw is if you are shooting in infrared. Yeah. Which is a different thing, of course. The 24 to 120 is great at the longer end, but it's not good at all um, uh, at the wider end. So anything wider than say 50 millimeters, it, it, it's just not good. So you can use it as a telephoto option for infrared, but you wouldn't want to use it as a wide option. So hence the, the, the fly in the ointment, so to speak. Yeah. So I found the 28 to 75 to be slightly better in terms of performance in an infrared than the 24 to 70. But I'm not going to yell at everyone to go sell their 24 to 70 because, first of all, you won't get much money for it. Yeah, we're talking <laughs> but, the F4 version here, right? Um, yeah, compared to, but if you wanted to get uh, a lens that can work both in visible and infrared and gives you an F2.8, that's a good choice. It's a solid choice. Mm -hmm. I would highly recommend it. And um, it's discounted right now 
Um, I think both in the US and at least the EU um, don't know about other regions. So it, it you know, it's $200 off. So it's, it's price is a little bit more comfortable. It's still more expensive. Yeah. It's the not, camera on one for the Sony's and it's yeah. an older design, but it's very similar. But I will say that, you know, at the newer price, it's a little bit more compelling yeah. if you need something in that range. Because mm -hmm. I get again, it comes down to: Are you looking for versatility, or are you looking for a certain type of performance? And with infrared, it's a performance thing. Uh, you're looking for lenses that don't give you uneven color across the frame, and or hot spots, or and don't smear in the corners. Um, this lens is very good for that. It's really, really good, but not perfect. I mean, I did see some unevenness in color is at the wider end, um, not terrible. Um, but some unevenness mm -hmm. and a little bit of corner smearing, which I've seen with every. Uh, yeah, I think at this lens. point, that's just what you get. Yeah. Um, but Not what I found was that I was very comfortable stopping this lens down for most shots uh, at F8 and even sometimes F11. I used F11 and didn't have problems, which I couldn't no. do with the. 24 to 70 f4 right with the 720 nanometer convert. right again it depends on how you convert right and and again if you shoot infrared and you just do mostly monochrome stuff you can get rid of any of these these aberrations uh with the color is a non-issue um it really isn't an issue it only comes down to if you're preserving some color and you want to do things like either color infrared or even channel swapped color infrared then you'll really notice because there's nothing like a nice blue sky effect with a big yellow glow in the center of it to ruin your image and that to me is where you see it the most and while you can fix those things to some extent in post if you have the right tools it's not easy um, it, it's not the same as having starting with something that's more uniform I guess, mm -hmm. you know, it's always nicer to start with. So where are we going with this whole thing? You know, we had a really fun time in Tucson. Um, we've, we found a lot of areas that would work really well for infrared photography. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we just don't normally go on a four day trip on a whim, right? So, I mean, it was, but there's usually an ulterior motive. Um, and so we're gonna try to put together an infrared uh, workshop, a class down in Tucson. Probably we're looking at the end of February 23. So we, we haven't scheduled it yet. There's some groundwork we have to do. Um, what do you, uh, what, what kinds of things would we be teaching? Well, I, I think the, a good way of viewing this workshop that we'll do is, um, this isn't a photo safari that's all about location shooting. This is really about learning how to do infrared photography and especially how to process the images which is 90 percent of the challenge with infrared mm -hmm. you can get really cool really fun results but it's a little bit intricate and there's some things that we'll teach that i haven't seen written mm -hmm. down or talked about anywhere that you know we've run on to some some neat little tricks that are simple that um, help you avoid some of the problems so we'll go into you know a lot of those details um, we actually did some shooting in other color infrared bands too because we both have some 590 mm -hmm. nanometer cameras and so we did that as a comparison too so we can we'll talk a little bit about um, 
pros and cons with those, but. I look at it this way. It's going to be the opportunity to go somewhere where there's good subjects for infrared. Because mm -hmm. the, you know, the nice thing about going to a place like Tucson is that even though it's cooler in the winter, you still got evergreen cactus. The cactus will still be reflective. Mm -hmm. uh, the downtown Old Town area is amazing for, for infrared. It was really good. Um, and you'll have opportunities to get some cool photos, but then you'll have the opportunity to really go in depth and work with them. So this will be the kind of thing where you can bring your computer and you're going to, you're going to work, well, we will work with all of the clients to, to process and show you the techniques that we've learned. And we mostly rely on Lightroom or ACR, you know, Bridge, ACR as our primary editor, even for infrared. And you can't just use that by itself if without doing some, some setup and some procedures and some things. So one of the things we're going to do is we, we will, for the people who want to use that, and that's what we'll be teaching in addition to the Photoshop piece. But there's, we've learned in the last maybe two or three years that you can do a tremendous amount of adjustments in an infrared style workflow directly in Lightroom. Without and having to go with, to Photoshop. Without Photoshop. And I think 99% of the infrared uh, workflow you see out there these days is, well, use product A to do your base conversion to get your white balance right, and then just go to Photoshop and do everything else. What we're going to be able to show you is how you can do everything for the most part in one uh, in one software application, including things like channel swapping, yeah. um, stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. And we're, we're like I said, if you're interested, drop us a note. Um, you will need to have an infrared camera <laughs> if you want to go on this. We, yeah. we can't provide those. But I know a lot of our clients actually do. It's something that they enjoy. Um, and it's a. I wouldn't say common, but we know a lot of people who've converted an older body mm -hmm. that they've upgraded from to infrared. And, but, you know, haven't always had time to really get out and explore things with it and learn new techniques. So this would be that opportunity. And it's a place that'll have nice weather in the winter, especially Absolutely. Good for those in really cold climates. So like us, I, I don't <laughs> have any problem going down to Arizona in February honestly no. <laughs> it's like so it's just it's it was a little a bit toasty game. when we were there but yeah well <laughs> anyway but that was that was fun so look for that coming up um in the meantime uh did we miss anything uh did we make any mistakes i don't know you can no, tell us. i think the the one thing is we talked a little bit about topaz photo ai oh yes that week. new product and so expect a detailed discussion of it next week still looks good yeah. There's some subtleties to it that we'll and talk to. They just updated it to the 1.01 1 .01 or there was mm -hmm. a minor tweak that came out. I haven't even tried it yet. So, yeah. but it looks, it looks um, promising. Yes. Okay. Well, um, stay tuned, watch the space, watch our Facebook page, facebook.com slash image doctors. You will see an announcement shortly for our infrared February uh, workshop, the in-depth infrared class. Um, and uh, until next time, happy shooting. All right. Bye-bye.